This week on the Eric Bernard Podcast, it is called The Beautiful Game, World-Class Players and Astonishing Goals. Lionel Messi. And it causes delirious celebrations. However, it's not always beautiful for everybody. Every single day, in every single match, referees get blamed for the outcome of matches in all sports, particularly soccer. From personal experience, as a referee myself, spectators, players, and coaches all feel as if they are above the referee and feel the need to try and influence the decisions of the referee. I've had coaches come up to me before a game, put their arm around my shoulder, and say, Hey buddy, you're my guy. Don't disappoint me today. This applies a lot of unnecessary pressure on me, and it made me not want to disappoint the coach, and it makes the referees more wary of making a mistake. They see me as a young man, perhaps new to the refereeing gig, and think they can influence the calls that I will make during the game. It shows a lack of respect because they think they can undermine me, and it is questioning my professionalism. Coaches are constantly trying to play mind games with, with the referees before a game, after being in the business for a couple of years now, it's obvious to tell that a coach is being fake towards us referees, being over-the-top nice before a game to try and get the referee to like them and favor their team's decisions. The first question many people ask a referee is, are you corrupt? Do you, and do you accept bribes? Obviously, there have been many cases where a referee has been bought out. It brings great shame to the profession, but it is very rare. In all honesty, most referees don't care at all about the two teams playing. They're just there to do their job and get paid. The scoreline at the end of the, 
at the end of the game does not matter to a referee as long as he's enforced the laws of the game. The ref's done his job, and all is good. People like to say that the referees are out to influence the game and want, and want the game to be all about them, when in reality, with the hundreds of referees I've worked with, not a single one has cared about being in the spotlight, and it is actually better to not be in the spotlight. To have nobody talking about you, it's a good thing. At the professional level of soccer, referees are subject to 90 minutes of abuse by the supporters, coaches, and players. Fans of the home team overreact to every call that goes against their team. Some people may argue that this is part of supporting their team, that being intimidating to the referee is part of the game. However, my question is, when did this become the norm? When did abusing a referee for doing his job become an acceptable thing to do? Was it the resentment that people have traditionally had over people whose job it is to maintain the rules of the game slash in society? Every single day, the average person makes mistakes in their job. Usually it's nothing serious, just a small mistake out of human error, and they get slightly ch chastised over it. However, when a referee makes a small mistake, they are victimized, yelled at, and have death threats thrown at them. Here are some common chants yelled at referees. It's a bit difficult to understand because of the accents, but you'll get the hint. It's basically all just abuse. Obviously, here in North America, we have the usual chance of bullshit and um, the referee is not good enough. People often talk about how mentally strong players and athletes are, how they are able to bounce back after a mistake, and how they have remarkable character. Although this is true, why does nobody ever praise the character of a referee when they have to bounce back after a mistake, when they have 50,000 people in a stadium shouting abuse at you and there's nothing you can do about it? You just have to carry on and deal with the abuse. A veteran referee once told me that once you make a bad mistake, there is no chance of redemption. In the eyes of everybody in the stadium, you are the villain and there's nothing you can do about it. For the weekly interview segment of the Eric Bernard podcast, I am joined by an extre extremely prestigious referee. He has officiated the biggest English Premier League games the biggest European Champions League games, and the biggest sporting events in the world, the FIFA World Cup Final. I'm delighted to announce the guest, Mr. Howard Webb, everybody. How are you today, Howard? I'm very good, thanks. It's an honor to make an appearance on the number one podcast in the world. It's the holy grail of podcasts. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. Here are some questions that have been asked by the viewers listening at home. How does it feel to be involved in two World Cups? the biggest achievement for any referee? To be appointed to a, a second World Cup final 
it's, it's an amazing feeling, really, after after reaching finally 2010. People said, are you going to finish? Is that going to be the end of your career? And I thought, no, you know, there's, there's still got an awful lot of enjoyment and uh, positive emotion from taking charge of games. And whilst those emotions are there, I'll keep going. It's a good challenge as well to try to be able to point to another World Cup. Not many referees that... Uh, Take charge of World Cup final and gone back to the next one. In fact, in modern times, I don't think that's happened. So it was certainly a goal for me in the face of some strong competition as well from other English officials, from officials from around Europe and around the world. So a wonderful feeling when eventually I had the notification as early as January 2014 that I was in the final list of 31 referees that are going to be going down to Brazil to take charge of games. When I look back, well, congratulations on that achievement. How did you get into the referee industry? Was it an early inspiration for you, or was it something that you just fell into? Uh, to being an eight-year-old, I had no ambition to become a football referee. I don't many eight-year-olds do hold that ambition. Um, like many other kids, I wanted to be a professional footballer and worked hard and tried to make the grade, but just wasn't good enough. That was the bottom line. I, uh, I realised that when I was about 16 or 17, and it was my father who came to me at about that age and um, said, how would you not be a good footballer? Um, he thought about being a bit of referee because he'd done some himself when he'd finished playing, and uh, I said, Interested that because you know I think referees all bold old men really when I think about them and that's probably what I've become some, some years later but I decided to give it a go and um, took a course eight week course an examination at the end of it and took charge of my first game a couple of weeks later under 11th football in South York that's all it was came off not really knowing what I'd done but uh, seemed to recall having enjoyed it and thinking you know maybe if I work hard enough I can get to a level that I'd hope to get to as a, as a player but in another way. Stuck at it, worked hard, and took 11 years to make it onto the Football League referees list and then another three to make it onto the Premier League. So it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time, uh, a lot of perseverance. A lot of times I've come home and gone back in the corner and thought, that's it, I'm backing in, but you know, I've gone back out and done it again. And um, eventually it's, you know, it's a journey that's taken me all the way to, to, the very, to the very top of the very pinnacle, I guess, in, in the World Cup uh, as well. Combined it very much with a full-time job um, in, in policing, when refereeing was my hobby where it was my full-time occupation, got to a stage in the refereeing career where I had to make a decision which way do I go when the refereeing was offering me full-time employment. So I reduced my police hours down to part-time and then uh, and then went on a, on a career break, which allowed me to concentrate fully on the refereeing. <laughs> I can definitely relate to the beginning. What's the lifestyle of a professional referee at the highest level in the English Premier League like? Refereeing at the very highest level in the Premier League is very much professional. It's a full-time occupation for the guys who take charge of those games, and rightly so, because the games are so demanding. They're getting quicker, season in and season out, and the demands placed upon the match officials to be in the right place at the right time to make the right call. Calls which can affect the outcome of a game, can affect the position in the league, can affect relegation, can affect you know Champions League places. With that comes huge rewards. Those demands are high, the pressures are high, a lot of scrutiny on what we do. So, so I think it's right and proper that the referees are professional, and with that comes professional preparation as well in terms of not only the, uh, the, the mental side of things, the, the analysis of, of games, the reflection on performances, um, knowledge of the laws and the procedures and competition rules, but also the, the physical preparation as well, of course. And we're lucky in that when we work on Premier League, we're, we're assisted by two full-time sports scientists who set our training schedules on a weekly basis based around our commitments, our movements, our travel, including some overseas football as well. That's all taken into account. It's very personalised for us as individuals. It's worked out based on um, the amount of work that we can do at any one time during the stage of the season that we're at, so we don't over-fatigue, so that we peak at the right times. Um, using heart rate monitors, uh, which uh, we, we feed back the data every single week of the training that we've done. 
Um, we also have the assistance of a sports psychologist as well. Definitely into mental game, I think. And, and sometimes confidence can be low, maybe after a bad, bad decision, a bad performance. You need to get yourself together quickly and focus on the positives uh, whilst reflecting on, on what you could do better. So we have the assistance of sports psychology as well. Uh, and, and other things as well, from time to time, we'll have um, assistance from physiotherapists, from massage therapists and from, uh, from uh, uh, eyesight experts as well who assist us um, to make sure that we're doing the exercises that, that improve our eyesight. It's probably the most important muscle that we use when we're taking charge of football matches and that's probably one of the, the muscles that we neglect the most in terms of the, the training and preparation. So uh, a full plethora really of, 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 of um, assistance that's there to make us perform at the highest level mentally and, and physically. Wow. Very interesting insight on the life of a referee, Howard. Not many people realize the behind the scenes of the lifestyle. There is a lot of preparation that goes into being a top-level referee, similar to the players themselves. How do you feel the treatment of referees is in the current times? I think the way that football referees are, are treated in, in, in our sport is, is a cultural thing. I think uh, over a period of time, you know, the, uh, the, the game has, has, has accepted an, an element of questioning of refereeing decisions, I guess. And uh, we that comes an element of dissent sometimes. But you know, I think that the situation is better now than it was several years ago. In my experience, the relationship on the field of play is better than it was uh, maybe 10 years ago. And you know, we've got to work hard to try to make people aware of the importance of, of not only treating match officials in the right way, but as a knock-on effect, treating the game in the right way. See, it's a game that brings us an awful lot of pleasure. Uh, for us who operate at the top of the game, it's our, it's our living our our livelihood, so we need to protect it. We need to make sure that it's a healthy, growing, developing thing, um, and that we do, you know, hand it on to the next generation in a, in a healthy state without turning people away from it. I think that message is getting home. Educating young people about the importance of respecting the image of the game as well is, is really important. And yeah, the game is played differently to other sports. There is a different culture around the game, but we're working hard to try to improve it and to, to improve the, the the deal that referees get as well. What I'm mindful of what happens at Premier League level is replicated further down the football pyramid. And, and therefore, it's important that all of us at the very top of the game understand the importance of doing things right. In respect of the pressure, we understand that emotions are a key and important part of the game, but there needs to be a line that's drawn where emotion doesn't overspill, uh, no matter what the, the stakes are. Interesting. In 2010, you had the honour of hosting the World Cup final between Spain and the Netherlands. Obviously, this game turned out to be one of the most difficult to handle in the history of the game. What are your thoughts on how this game went? To be appointed to referee the World Cup final is, is a huge honour, really, when you think there's only been 19 World Cup finals, and I'm told there's something like 2 million qualified football referees around the world in 2014, so you can imagine the, the slim chance that you have been appointed to the game, but of course, for some people it happens, and for me it did, and, and uh, I was absolutely thrilled to, to be appointed to that particular game. Great responsibility. Uh, as well to be handed uh, control of the game by FIFA. The game that I took charge of between the Netherlands and, and Spain in 2010 in, in Johannesburg was a difficult affair. It was an important game. And people said this will be a beautiful game, you know, played between two teams and now to play the game beautifully. And, and um, I thought, well, maybe it won't be so so great because it's an important game and, and really important games often don't live up to expectation. But it was a really challenging game. It put lots of situations that I had to deal with. I had to keep my focus, draw upon my preparation, uh, and draw upon my experience and that of my team, of which you know I had a, a great team with me down in South Africa. Um, and I know from experience that you know you, you, 
you maintain your focus, you maintain your line, you don't waver away from that. You know, if the game is difficult and you dig in and you keep doing what you think is right at the time based on that level of knowledge and experience, and you see the game through, you certainly don't hide. And I think we got through to the end of the game in a in reasonable shape, even though it wasn't the type of game we'd hoped it would be. We hoped it would be a game where people will be speaking about the great goals and the great players. Uh, and there was a lot of attention on the amount of physicality in that game, but that was the game that, that, that was given to us, and, and we had to deal with what uh, what the game presented to us. We it was incredible to see two free-flowing, beautiful footballing nations participate in such a dirty physical match. I think he did a great job given the circumstances. Thank you for being a great guest on the podcast, Howard. You have given a lot of advice to myself and all of the listeners at home. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Have a good day. The effects that abuse has on a referee's mind goes beyond the present game. It impacts the state of mind for referees for the up next upcoming matches. From personal experience, I had a woman one time come up to me after a U11 playoff game calling me a, excuse my language, a fucking disgrace and a cheat. She was unhappy that I didn't call a foul on the game-winning goal, even though the contact was minimal and it was just a shoulder-to-shoulder challenge. Although the woman knew absolutely nothing about the game and had no authority over me in any way, it seriously played on my mind for the next couple of games after that. I questioned myself, am I really a terrible referee? Did I ruin all of these 11-year-old girls' seasons? Should I just quit refereeing? I knew, I knew in my head, deep down, that I was right in my judgment of the call, but the disgust, anger, and vulgar of the woman made me start to believe I am a horrible referee and I need to quit. It was constantly playing on my mind for the next couple of matches after that, and I was not able to perform at my best. It wasn't until I spoke and opened up about this experience with my good friend, a longtime referee of 30 years in South America, Mr. Juan Castillo about this experience. He told me not to listen to some stupid lady and continue do it to do what I was doing. He told me to just completely ignore everybody in my surroundings and just focus on my job. I have taken this philosophy not just to refereeing, but it's now my outlook in life. People that I don't care about can call me anything, talk, about, talk bad about me in any way. I just completely ignore them and pretend that they're not there and continue to live my life. To finish off this episode of the Eric Bernard Podcast, I want people to remember this one thing. Referees have an extremely difficult life. They get yelled at nonstop, called every curse word in the Urban Dictionary, and made to look like a villain in every media source after the game. Refereeing is an extremely difficult job. It requires unbelievable mental strength and resilience to punch back at the abusers. Coaches, players, spectators, and media personnel are all guilty of making the task of being a referee one of the hardest in sports. One by one, we can stop this barrage of hatred towards a referee and just let them do their job and appreciate them for what they do. No, not many ordinary schmucks can get into a den and fight the lions, and that is exactly why referees deserve more respect. This was the Eric Bernard Podcast. Thanks for listening.